0: Today on The Topping Show, Neuralink is cleared to start U.S. human trials, Bud Light is sponsoring a pride parade, U.S. reaches a tentative deal on the debt ceiling, Volkswagen expanding into the United States, Ford to use Tesla superchargers, YouTube to eliminate stories, Old Navy shutting down their San Francisco store, the U.S. quote, won't tolerate China's ban on micron chips, and Southwest Airlines pilot is forced to climb through the window when a customer accidentally locks the cabin. All that and much much more on The Topping Show. Thank you, everyone, for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of The Top Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added restart and service company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, I see the final release twice today. day. Gotta to he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner and need a little assistance with your IT, reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going on to the business part of the podcast, you have YouTube eliminating their stories feature. Now, this is a feature that's going to be officially rest in peace, on June 26th this year, it was an attempt to combat the ever-growing exponential growth of Snapchat, where it was a YouTube feature in which you could record something and it was set to auto-delete after seven days. They first introduced this feature in 2017. Now, the Achilles heel behind this was the the adaption rate. Partially self-inflicted, YouTube shot themselves in the foot saying, this particular feature was only for people who had 10,000 plus subscribers. Now, that severely limits the actual usage of the YouTube platform feature. And if YouTube, Google, Alphabet, whatever the parent companies choose to call themselves, if they really wanted to compete directly with Snapchat, they should have done the opposite tra- approach to exponentially decrease the burden of adoption. Most people, in order to comment on YouTube, video, you have to have a profile and create a channel, but if they want people to consistently use the channel, create data, create more of a social aspect to it, then they should have said everyone has the opportunity to use this feature, we want to push this out, because right now Snapchat has the adoption rate infinitely easier for someone to just download on their phone and sign up for it and they actually will use it. It's much more active as opposed to YouTube, is usually more passive. YouTube usually will Open the app, go to the website, you know, watch a video, usually a long format, either an interview, podcast like this, you have a myriad of topics, music videos, even movies, but it's usually long form factor and you aren't actively, most people aren't putting stuff in the comment section. It's more of a passive user experience. And of course, YouTube, they say they're going to kill it because they didn't have enough adoption, which again, their own fault, partially. And they also said that they're going to focus its efforts on its bread and butter, AKA being long form content, as well as their community posts, live video, and is TikTok challenger shorts. So shorts, that is something where everyone can do that. I've thought about attempting to use that for this channel. Maybe do a little pseudo studio view where you can see sign of my books and other business signs they have around the office. If that's something you might be interested in, let me know in the comments. But again, it was interesting to see YouTube roll out this feature, limit it so much for a vast, vast, vast majority of people can't actually use it, and then they admit to be well it's kind of your own fault. So time shall tell to see how they're able to quickly or if they're able to adapt and improvise and overcome the overwhelming growth of the TikTok challenger. Now, going on to Neuralink, they're officially cleared for human trials. That's Elon Musk's company, which focuses on brain implant technology. They've already had the technology successfully proven in animal trials. Now, both the USDA and the FDA approved it for human trials. And this is all part of Elon's long goal of bridging that gap with technology, which many speculate will be the greatest advancement since the Industrial Revolution. It will be life changing beyond all belief. Especially if there's a mass adoption of this technology of having the brain implants, neural links. Now, he specifically highlights the big difference in the computer-human interface input. Right now, if you want to input your ideas and your data into a computer, you have to use your fingers. You have to type something out on a keyboard. And if you're, if you're pretty good at typing, more often than not, you get it in there. But technically speaking, that's much, much slower than just thinking it. Infinitely slower and less accurate. And it's also an issue where no matter how fast you type, it'll always be faster to think it. Many people will say, well, you have yeah, voice to text, which is a garbage technology in my opinion, simply because more often than not, it doesn't work perfectly. And if it doesn't work perfectly, there are some applications, some things, where people just immediately will never use it again. And after one or two attempts to the voice to text app or feature, whatever you want to call it on my phone, I quickly acquiesced to the rudimentary just Using the swipes with the finger again, using a human digit, your little thumb, because that was a lot more accurate, and it's actually faster because you'd have to slow down when you're speaking and you have to pretend comprehend your words. But all of this is a long, cumbersome intera- interface process. So it'll be interesting to see if you actually get to the point where you can think it and it shows up on a screen. Are you able to just talk to someone via thinking it? Again, it's a precariously very concerning thing, morality, uh, in terms of what does this do for the human soul, or the just how, how much mental stress would that increase if everyone knows exactly what you're thinking, whereas it, privacy is already diminishing. But it's also one of those things where, if this chip can make you faster, you're able to think faster, you're able to access data instantaneously being connected to the internet, that's gonna be a huge advantage over the competition who you don't have that implant. Although, if you think it's bad to get a virus on your laptop now, imagine getting it into your skull. So it, Technology is always a double-edged ed- double sword, so it'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Now, other interesting business news, you have Ford is finally able to use the Tesla superchargers, which is key because Tesla, brilliantly enough, one of the things Elon Pommel gave when he first found the company is you have to have the infrastructure behind it in order to have mass adoption. The biggest constraint of EV vehicles, besides having a long-term investment equal to a sandwich you buy at Subway, well, maybe slightly better. I don't think there's any mold problems with uh tesla vehicles nevertheless how do you charge it is the biggest concern you have the range anxieties so if you're too far away from your home what happens if it dies so now tesla has the largest network and now we have ford coming out with all their ev vehicles you have the ford lightning or f-150 lightning you have the emoc mustang i, I use that i use that name and disdain in air quotes because mustang it, it's the emoc don't how dare they bastardize their most Valuable intellectual property, and the American pinnacle of sports car. I say it's pinnacle because every other pony car from the good old days of horse, they, they're all, they all died and brought it back to life. So the Camaro was the other competition from General Motors, Chevy division. They killed and brought that thing back to life two or three times. And then you have Chrysler, which bought out Dodge, and Dodge you had the Challenger Charger. Again, brought it back to life. They died, brought it back to life. Say what you want about Mustang, it's always been there. Nevertheless, now Ford is doing more EVs and wondering how do we consistently charge it? So they struck a deal with Tesla where any Ford customer, or rather, Ford EV owner, can go up to a Tesla machine, plug it in, and charge their vehicle. Just the news of this business agreement spikes Ford stock by 7%, which is a pretty damn good spike. And again, I'm no financial analyst, but increasing the stock is always good for the shareholders. So it made a lot of shareholders happy as well. And now it gives them the advantage where they could charge at more places. Or just have a gasoline generator in the bed of your truck as you saw, there's a viral video on Twitter a couple weeks ago where an F-150 Lightning ran out of battery on the highway, but they conveniently had a gas-powered generator in the bed and they just charged themselves. The circle of life, some might say. Interesting. Now, other interesting business automotive users, you have VW expanding their presence in the United States, VW being the acronym for Volkswagen Group, which is one of the most largest automotive companies on the planet and at one point they owned most of the luxury brands you would think of in terms of you have Bugatti the car company you have Ducati the exotic motorcycle company they also had Lamborghini you had Audi you had Volkswagen you had Porsche they owned a lot of brands and they're gonna bring back another brand from the So They're gonna bring back the Scout brand. Now specifically, that brand is gonna be focusing on their EV truck and EV SUV. They got a deal made with South Carolina lawmakers for $1.3 million in order to build a plant in that state, which now that I think about it, there's no... That, that is probably a, a drop in the bucket compared to the cost to have actually put together a plant, but the subsidy I'm sure helps the company. And their goal is to produce over two dozen EVs across all their brands. So that's a big push. That's what the U.S. government wants. And that's why there's more and more incentives for these businesses to move in that direction. It'll be interesting to see, it's part of the allure to some people for Volkswagen is, you know, German engineering and you know, it's, it's an exotic, it's more exotic. It's imported. I know they've had U S manufacturing many of these companies have for many years. There's a lot of benefits, both tax shipping, but it'd be interesting to see they're pushing more on the American made, as many of these companies are. Now going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Bud Light coming out with another sponsorship, this time sponsoring a Pride Parade over in Cincinnati. And the reason I say this is not, the reason I'm saying this is not belonging the business blunder for the day is because Bud Light's already been doing this in the past and with the recent endorsements, I think they're gonna go all in on this new marketing technique. They're not gonna try to go through both both camps or go to the previous i don't think they'll ever get back to the previous position they had where it was a beer for everyone and it was not pl- making political statements and it was just piss water in a can i'm tar- far too frugal to actually buy those things granted if I vacation does call up i have some spirits but it's one of those things where it probably will increase their sales and well, there's a lot of speculation are they have they brought that's a real question? Have they bottomed out in terms of their sales that they've lost because of the, the whole situation with their Dillon Vaney partnership? There's a lot of speculation that they've all the people who have already booked out it, they, they've already done it. How many more people will switch over? There's a lot of speculation. That's a real fiscal question of how it'll affect the company. But it's interesting to see as they continue to pivot in this new direction, will it increase their sales enough for the brand to still be re- relevant? Keep in mind, InBev, the parent company in Belgium, which owns anheuser Bush, headquartered in the U.S., they have 52 beers under their portfolio. So they can afford to kill a brand if it becomes unprofitable. They have many more to choose from. Time shall tell to see how long this brand stays relevant in American cultural, I- it used to be a cultural icon. Time shall tell. Now, other interesting cultural news, you have Old Navy shutting down their San Francisco store. Yet again, you see a theme of every Pretty much every brand I could think of in the past 12 to 18 months is leaving downtown San Francisco specifically. And this is just, there's an exodus of all these folks leaving. Now, they're 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 being very politically correct when they say their actions, The parent company is actually Gap. So a lot of people don't realize Gap actually owns Old Navy, Banana Republic, Athletica, and then Fourth and Town. So they have quite a few brands under the portfolio, and they're saying they're just not going to renew their lease. I wonder why. Now... Their actual statement from the store rep was, quote, Old Navy is always evaluating its real estate portfolio to ensure a healthy fleet of stores that can provide the best possible experience for our customers. Since our market store has opened in the 1990s, the way we leverage flagship locations has changed, unquote. Now, this just further highlights the cultural decay of San Francisco because it used to be a peak luxury experience in terms of the most expensive brands where their most advanced IT companies are all located within a stone throw of that area. And all these brands are leaving. Even I believe Whole Foods, which in terms of political affiliations, they're headquartered in Austin, Texas, very much more left on the political spectrum, San Francisco being the epitome of that political ideology. And even they closed down their store and believe it was their flagship store. Now the importance of a flagship store is pretty much the pinnacle of what the brand and what the retail experience can be. That's where they test out some of their new ideas and new products. What is supposed to be the cleanest and best experience you could possibly do as a store. It's the pinnacle of what you want to achieve. It's what you show off. Just like when an automotive company comes off with a prototype where they're showing off the newest technologies, manufacturing processes, and sometimes they knock it in the park like the Porsche, Carrera, the Porsche Carrera GT. That concept car was good, but the production was even better. It had more horsepower than the conceptual car unprecedented automotive history and also just a great example of why companies have these halo cars these these flagship stores is to show it's the best you can be and all these stores i believe whole foods filed 538 police reports in a little over 12 months in san francisco at that one store and there are no carts left over 200 carts were stolen so the real question is will the cultural decay ever reverse will any is there any way they could reverse this trend of every business leaving? I could tell, I, I challenge someone in the comments. Name one business that has moved to San Francisco in the past 24 months. One. Name it for me. Heck, name one business that's moved to California in the past 24, 48 months. There's been hundreds leaving for Texas, Florida, South Carolina, all states that have better fiscal interest and business interests with the companies? Will the cultural change to attract businesses and decrease crime? What will it take? That's the really multi-trillion dollar question when you look at all the ripple effect of all these businesses and people. Time shall tell to see what they decide to do. Now, going on to the politics part of the podcast, you have the U.S., quote, won't tolerate China's ban on micron chips. Interesting. So that's from the U.S. Commerce Secretary Gina Romandio Now, Micron Technology is a U.S.-based company founded in 1978 over in Idaho. They're one of the largest producers of computer memory and data storage. Rudimentary speaking, think of the chips inside your computers, inside your cell phone, inside your electronic devices. We actually save and store your data. Now, they claim that this ban from China is quote. Target a single U.S. company without any basis in fact, and we see it as a plain and simple economic coercion, and we won't, and we we won't tolerate it. Quote, nor do, we, or sorry, comma, nor do we think it will be successful. Unquote. Now, a little bit of calling the, the pot, calling the kettle black. Because the U.S. has done this before, and yet another reason why businesses do have to be politically sharp, or they have to kind of know the whole global. Ec- They have to know the global political ramifications of everything they're doing, who they're doing business with. Now, from China's perspective, their regulator came out with a statement that it was around their cybersecurity regulator. They said on May 21st, that Micron, the the biggest US memory chip maker, had failed its network and security reviews and that it would block the operations of key infrastructure from buying from the company, prompting it to predict a revenue reduction. Now, rudimentary speaking, China thinks there's a security concern with the product, and that's why they're not gonna buy it. And I say this is a little bit of the pot calling the kettle black because the US did the same thing with Huawei. Now, in my opinion, there's more evidence that we could find from Huawei's devices where their devices, they make a lot of network infrastructure and you know 5G. A lot of people think of Huawei as making laptops and cell phones, which they do, but they're a very diverse portfolio of products they make a lot of the the backbone infrastructure behind the internet, which of course that is kind of a good place to put spying devices because you could see the entire pipeline of what's going on, simply put. So the US did put a ban on Huawei devices and said we will not install them in any of our US infrastructure because it is a security concern. China is saying the exact same thing. They're saying, oh yeah, we're not putting those particular products because they're from US company into our infrastructure, into our Core products, so I'm not too shocked that this is happening. Now it's going to be rough for Micron since China is one of the largest markets on the planet, especially when it comes to electronic manufacturing, due to U.S. U.S. politicians and U.S. citizens voting for certain initiatives that made it prohibitively difficult to produce things in the United States. Another topic for another time. But it's interesting that it really is just calling the kettle black now other interesting political news you have joe biden and kevin mccarthy coming to a tentative debt ceiling agreement now this deal would suspend the debt limit through january of 2025 while capping the spending in 2024 and 2005 budgets it would claw back unused covid funds speed up permitting process for some energy projects and include some extra work requirements for food aid programs for poor americans now negotiators have agreed to cap non-defense discretionary spending at 2023 levels for one year and increase it by one percent in 2025 another source noted with the subject now mccarthy also know that quote it is historic reductions in spending and consequential reforms that will lift people out of poverty and into the workforce rein the government overreach there are no new taxes there are no new government programs unquote which is partially good you're halfway there to solving a problem no new spending Okay, but you're still spending a more money than you could possibly comprehend right now. And again, this is going to be outdated within three minutes of publishing this video, because if you go to thedebtclock.com, it's quite discouraging. The U.S. is $31.4 trillion in debt, not millions, not billions, trillions. So an unprecedented proportion of our GDP is now just paying down the interest on that. And... More and more people should be concerned because this is going to have a ripple effect, and I suspect it will be taken care of in the, most, in the most inappropriate as well as ineffective ways, which is increasing taxes on businesses, the middle class, pretty much the backbone of the U.S. economy, small businesses, all of them. Now, a more prudent business decision would be to slash corporate taxes. To, in my opinion, and many economics professionals' opinions. Slash corporate tax rates so that businesses move it back to the United States as well as incentivize manufacturing, decrease how, many, how much of the programs we're giving and actually putting some is it politically I'm sure there's politically way of saying this, but putting more requirements be behind all of the initiatives and handouts that they have in the United States. might not sound old-fashioned but when my parents came here or my uh, family came here from Cuba. They just work like hell. Now, it's one of those things where a lot of the programs, and I always tell folks, one of the most uh, prolific and true quotes of all time is, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Now, I also qu- I also question how many politicians truly have good intentions, which is self-preservation and just wanting to buy more votes with programs. But it used to be, because I talked to some folks who are a little bit much, a little bit older and wiser than me about the rules, specifically around six use cases as unemployment and there used to be a lot more checks and balances in terms of the requirements to consistently receive unemployment benefits you have to show that you get you have to show hey I interviewed at ABC so the requirements have changed throughout time and many people feel it used to be a temporary tool and now it's become a permanent tool for some people and one way just again just spitballing here I'm not a politician but well, if businesses had initiatives where they would hire folks at a discounted rate or at some type of program where it would be an internship, and it could be a lot of people think of internships as you know high school and college folks, but you could open that up to a wide array of people and give them an opportunity to prove themselves. You have different jobs in the company, different roles, and after a certain maybe a probation period, they'd be hired full time. Of course, there's a lot more benefits when you go full time in company. Now, time shall tell to see what really happens. And again, this is a tentative agreement. A lot of businesses, especially businesses that conduct business with the U.S. government, they're especially concerned because that spending is going to impact them as well, or lack thereof, or if they're moving spending around. And there's a lot of speculation. What if they don't pay the debt? What if the U.S. federal government shuts down? And at the end of the day, I don't think that would ever happen because Republicans would look terrible and they will lose votes. So it's hard to compete against one side, which sometimes is known for giving away stuff for free. How good are you going to look when you say, hey, vote for me, I'll give you free stuff? Or the other side of the equation, vote for me. I want to teach you personal responsibility, personal accountability. No, we're not going to give you stuff. And by the way, we're going to we're going to choose to shut down the US economy based in some sort of fashion and default on this debt. They would never lose, they would never win an election for years. So at the end of the day, I think a lot of this is just, a lot of these negotiations are just posturing to your political constituencies. I doubt if there will actually, actually ever really be a default. And it'd also be a huge global impact because other nations buy up our debt and they buy up U.S. government bonds. If the U.S. defaults on that, that's a huge immediate break in trust internationally. Granted, you should probably just trust them because they just keep printing money and spending money without actually paying much back. Nevertheless, time shall tell to see if this really gets signed off as we have this tentative agreement. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, you have Southwest accidentally having a pilot locked out of the cockpit. So this pilot is actually locked out. A Southwest Airlines pilot was forced to crawl through the cockpit window after a passenger accidentally locked the door to the plane's cockpit. Now, it was hilarious to see this on Twitter because they literally had to jimmy open the window on the front of the airplane and the pilot got in. And part of me was a little concerned. I was like, so they were just able to jimmy open that window under, under, under a couple of minutes. I guess it's secure when you're flying through the air faster than you can possibly imagine. But it was kind of silly that they locked themselves out And also one of those funny things where I guess that there really isn't a spare key for that, but I mean, this is a quote. It it took, quote, a matter of seconds before the window would open. It was done incredibly efficiently. Despite the unexpected glitch, the flight departed only eight minutes late, unquote, says from Rex Road. Now, that is kind of hilarious that even being locked out of the cabin, that still wasn't as bad as a delay as the ones that we've been seeing lately when it comes to technology and infrastructure where you're causing delays that are hours or days. So, but to just have something as simple as they just locked out and they had to crawl through the window, it makes it look pretty silly, moderately entertaining, yes. But that's gotta be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and comment. Each one of those things greatly helps the channel out. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone, Just stay safe, fight the good fight,